Hi, I'm Alina. And I'm Lauren. Let's demystify the mystical. Hi, Zen Tribe. We live in a world where we have so many voices telling us how we should be. Naturally, our souls gravitate towards people who just radiate confidence. Amy Rushworth is absolutely one of these people. She's a transformational priestess who empowers her tribe to truly embrace abundance. This girl loves herself, and trust me, it shows. In word and in deed, Amy reminds us to walk in every room as if we were magic. Because let's face it, we are. If you need a little magic in your life, keep listening. Okay, Amy, we are so lucky to have you here. And can you start by telling us a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, of course. So I am originally from Australia, but I live in the UK now and I'm living here soon too. So a bit of a nomad, bit of a free spirit. And I didn't do what I do now forever. I used to work in the fashion industry in Australia. So I've been on a very vibrant, long and interesting journey. Um, But all of those uh, things that I've been through and different experiences have led me to do what I do now. So it all makes sense in hindsight. And a big part of my journey that led me here was having my own mental health crisis, finding who I was, finding my spirituality and learning to heal. And now I teach other people to do that as well. Uh, We love to hear that. Lauren and I both have very different backgrounds that led us to where we are now with Zen Den. I used to work in the chocolate world and (laughs) the tech world. (laughs) The tech world. And I think it's um, always so impressive when someone can kind of follow their intuition and you know, go their own way. And we were a big fan of the content you put out and we're excited to learn more and discuss more. Okay. To start, I got to ask, what is a transformational healing priestess? Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I've titled myself. These are the words that I feel express what I do because I'm not just a life coach. I'm not just a healer. I use my own method that I have created from all different influences. I use energy healing, breath work, coaching, mentoring, different spiritual medicines. I like to pull on different modalities to help my clients to create their water streams, you know, from a really embodied place, from a very deeply healed place. And when I first began my journey where I was just beginning as a wellness coach, It was amazing, but I just had this hunger to go deeper with people. I felt like I was just kind of playing with these surface pieces with people with their mindset and their beliefs, but I wanted to go deeper. So for me, a transformational healing priestess, I'm a medicine woman that does what she's got to do to help you to transform, to heal, to really get the things that you want to create the life that you want in a way that is sustainable, in a way that is embodied and in a way that isn't superficial, but really deeply, uh, you know, to the core, a deep expression of who you are at your core. So, um, that's where the title comes from and why it's a little bit unusual because what I do is not, you know, ordinary. <laughs> no, I love it though. I mean, let's be honest, all job titles are just made up anyway. Like give yourself one that fits you. <laughs> That's <Totally>. great. <laughs> um, and then you talk about your, so your bio says sexy embodied abundance. And 
uh, I love all three of those words uh, individually, but I'd love to know, like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So people who follow me for a while, they'll know this about me. I mean, I'm a Leo sun. I'm a Taurus moon, Virgo rising. I love the luxuries of life. I love prosperity. I love I'm a bit of a bougie bitch, you know what I mean? But I'm also really kind of deep and spiritual and I'm very, very loyal and I love having deep conversations with people and I hate small talk. So I'm kind of like a weird mishmash of different qualities and I used to judge myself for that, but actually I think that that's what sexy embodied abundance is. It's being all of the different colors of who you are. It's defining what abundance really is for you in your body. Because when we're looking to manifest abundance, we're looking to create more money or find our soulmate or get all of this external stuff, what we're actually seeking is to feel something inside of our body, right? So to really feel abundance in your body and for it to be authentic so that you're not just chasing, 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 that requires you to understand, well, what does embodied abundance feel like for you as an individual and to really sit in it and celebrate it and not just be seeking the next thing and the next thing. And then that word sexy is there because a huge part of the work that I do is helping women with their sensuality, calling in more pleasure, living from a pleasure paradigm so that they're not overexerting themselves in this sort of masculine patriarchal world that we live in, but they're using their feminine magic and the magic of their skill set and their mishmash of weird qualities to call in what they want. So that's what sexy embodied abundance is in a sort of roundabout way. It's abundance that feels sexy and fun and desirable in your body. That is amazing. I love all of that. So tell me about a time when you leaned into abundance, because it's one thing to believe that you believe in abundance, but it's another thing to actually lean into it. And it can be really scary. Tell us about a time when you did and it paid off. Yeah. So when I started my business, I started to examine some of my beliefs around money and prosperity and abundance. And it's a bit of a Pandora's box when you go into that realm of work. So many of us carry all of these unconscious codes around money and what it means to be rich or what it means to be abundant, what it means to get everything you want. And What was really revealing for me was that I thought I was quite confident in some ways, but I really noticed inside of this work that there was parts of me that didn't feel worthy of the abundance. And so when I started my business and I started leaning into this with my first business coach, I started examining, you know, how my upbringing was transmuting into different behaviors the first experiences that I had around money and how those were showing up in terms of my self-worth and my ability to actually receive money in my business, to receive money and feel like I deserved it and to have clients who would pay me, you know, big sums of money. And so as I started to explore that work and examine that, I started to examine my behaviors and look at how I was spending, look at how I would like throw money away and not want to hold a large amount of money in my space. And I started, uh, I guess, like translating that into new patterns in my business. So raising my prices and knowing that I was worthy of that, sitting in that price and going, yes, fuck yeah, I'm worthy of that and practicing feeling worthy in that so that when I would then tell people my prices, 
they would be like, yeah, great. I would love to pay you that. And I'd be like, amazing. This is so affirming because I would have never thought, you know, a few years before that you could even earn that kind of money doing something that was so abstract or, you know, weird to most people. So I think like when I first began my business, that was a really illuminating time for me around abundance and how simply my beliefs around the price influenced how that price was received by someone that I was working with. And then also as I've increasingly raised my prices because I've become more and more experienced and amazing at what I do. And, um, you know, I've invested a lot of money in different, uh, you know, modalities and certifications to deepen my processes, more people come right? More people want to pay. Um, And so that's just been a result of leaning into the beliefs around abundance and not actually really anything to do with anything too external, but actually all about the inner ecosystem and how I feel about money and abundance. I absolutely love that. Anyone who's ever done any kind of freelance work uh, and gets to a point where they're like, well, will anyone actually pay this? Is this what I'm worth? Like, and, and you did this post recently. It was like, you need to stop gaslighting yourself. And I think so many of us are good at gaslighting ourselves when it comes to money and what we are financially worth, because sometimes we don't want to think about it in that, like, uh, you know, we just, it's hard to put a number to your services. It's especially when it's something you love to do anyway, like something you would do for free just because it lights your soul up. It's hard to put a price tag on that, but you know, you got to live and you're more bougie. We like the finer <laughs> things of life. Yeah, definitely. I think also, you know, a lot of people have beliefs around what you just said of, you know, how can I charge that when I love to do it anyway? You know, and I work with a lot of women on their businesses as well. A lot of my clients come to me for different issues and then they decide they want to manifest a spiritual or coaching business as well. And I support them. And, you know, sometimes there is that voice. It's like, well, I would do this anyway for free. You know, I'm that person in my life that loves to help, that loves to serve. My work feels so fucking good. How can I even charge for that? And that's just another limiting belief that comes from conditioning and coding that we're all subjected to, you know, from the beginning, from school and, you know, our upbringings that says, you know, hard work, hard work, work has to be hard. You're not in school to have fun. You're here to learn, right? And who says that learning can't be fun? Who says that work can't be fun? Who says that making loads of money can't be fun? And, you know, the thing is you're not born with that belief that it has to be hard. So you pick it up somewhere. So in the same way that you've picked it up, you can unlearn it as well, but you got to shine a light on it. You got to look at like, what is in the way here? What is not serving me in terms of the narratives that I have around my work and my money and my ability to earn great amounts of money, especially as women and feminine beings in this world, because a lot of us have imposter syndrome, these deep roots of that inside of us, because because we're living in this crazy time where, you know, compared to all our ancestors, we have more rights, we have more freedom, we can do a lot of things now that we couldn't do before. We can have desires and needs, not just needs being met, but also our desires. And it's really weird, right? For your nervous system, especially if you're carrying this like ancestral story as well, down your feminine lineage that you can't be this sort of big, bold woman who makes loads of money and love what you do and have it all. 
And why do we do that? Why do we let ourselves feel like imposters? Like I've been to some good schools and had some cool jobs. And every time I walk in those doors, I feel like I'm not enough. And I look at everyone else and I feel like they have something I don't. And I slid in the back door and I don't truly value myself. And I don't show up like an equal contributor the way I should. What can we do about that? Yeah, well, I think this is where, you know, having that deep self-awareness helps you in many ways, you know, being able to notice that voice, but not absorb that voice as your truth. And so it starts with breaking up the pattern. I mean, first of all, if you are experiencing imposter syndrome, which most people do, you're in fine company because this is most common among successful people. And it's most common among successful women, high achieving women. Now, if we look at this through something like the lens of the Enneagram personality test, If you are a high achiever, you might be a type three Enneagram, which is the achiever type, right? Our personalities are created early in our lives. We create them as a response to unconscious messages and fears. So the high achiever personality is built around a fear that you are worthless, right? So it manifests in this beautiful way because you develop all of these strengths to overcompensate, to hide and bury this fear. And a lot of those uh, attributes are celebrated in our society, right? Like being successful, being able to make money and achieve things. But it is kind of built around this deeper inner child fear of being worthless unless you sort of tick boxes and you do things that are impressive to the outside world. So it's really helpful to know things like that about yourself. What's your personality type? Uh, What are your deepest fears? How do you overcompensate? And then creating ways in which you can learn how to validate yourself in ways that are more affirming to that fear. So learning to celebrate yourself, learning to celebrate all the little wins, not just focusing on the failures, breaking up the voice that tells you that you don't deserve to be there. And I also think having a community around you that is supportive and affirming and believes in the same things that you believe or is also, you know, in that journey of personal development can be really helpful because, you know, we do thrive in communities. We do need supportive people around us and we're highly influenced by the people around us. So I think a huge piece for women who struggle with imposter syndrome is surrounding yourself with women who love to celebrate themselves, right? So a lot of people find that very triggering when they see women who love themselves boldly and brag about their success. But if you want to break out of imposter syndrome, surround yourself with those types of women because they will give you that energetic permission slip to be like, actually, yeah, you know what? I'm going to celebrate myself. I'm going to sit here in this known worthiness that I deserve to be here. Okay. First off, I love that you brought up the Enneagram. Um, I'm a big fan of like giving yourself the vocabulary and a framework to like see yourself in a different light. And uh, you kind of called me out. I'm a four wing three. Um, (laughs) So I I completely understand that. And, um, but I've never thought about that aspect of surrounding yourself with, with women who want to celebrate the successes, but it's, it is, such a big deal to be in a friend group that wants you to succeed, but also is comfortable talking about themselves succeeding. Um, because you can spend so much energy when you're with people that, uh, maybe they are great people, but they just, 
they have a hard time recognizing it. It can be so energy draining to try to bring them up at all times. And sometimes you just need someone else out there being like, I'm a boss and this is how I am. And that's one of the things Lauren and I've talked about that we love about your feed is because you're out there and you're like, yes, I'm a, I'm a healing mentor. I'm a transformational priestess. Like I am these things. And that is so great. And, um, like, how did you get there? Like, surely you weren't just born to be so bold and brash, but how did you, what are like some steps you took to be out there? Thank you for saying that. Okay. So I am that Leo. So I do have this kind of fire in me, this like lion energy of like being a bit more bold and a little bit more risky. So I do have that. But for a long time, I suppressed this part of myself. For a long time earlier in my life, I was a doormat for other people. I was not allowed to shine. I was always allowed to be like in a popular group or in a circle of women, but I was not ever allowed to be number one, right? I was the one who would support everyone else. So you know, interestingly, my astrology tells me a lot about this as well, because my North node is in Capricorn and your North node is your destiny. And, you know, my destiny is to be more of that Capricorn energy, a woman who is at the top, a woman who is a leader, a woman who doesn't give so much of a fuck about what anyone's going to say about her success. So, um, I have moved towards that gradually through my personal development journey, but I will say, you know, I do still get a little bit of a hum in my head sometimes about how bold I am on the internet. It takes confidence and courage and like a lot of internal pep talks to put yourself up on Instagram stories in front of, uh, you know, 13,000 people are in my audience at the moment. You know, sometimes I'm on there doing, you know, breast massage or I'm dancing or I'm sharing about something really intimate. And so it's been a really big learning journey for me. And it's been a journey of me kind of pushing my edge a little bit a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and just holding myself in that space, holding my inner child in that space as the adult self and saying to her, I know you're scared right now because you're being quite bold and people are not going to like this, right? And people are going to judge you and women are going to want to pull you down, some women, but it's important that you do it. And this is why it's important. And it's important for me to do it because it's important that I show other women what's available to them. It's important that I'm a living symbol of the work that I do. It's important that if I'm taking clients to a certain level of depth inside of themselves, I need to be going even deeper within myself. So I do it for them as well. I do it for the women that watch me. I do it so that they can see me and unconsciously release their own shame around their sensuality, around their personality, around how big and bold and expressive they want to be. And I really think that this is my destiny. And so I just remind myself of that anytime that voice comes in, that it's okay for me to take up space because that story that we can't be bold, that story that we can't be confident is just a complete lie and narrative that just gets, you know, passed down again and again and again between women and women perpetuate it, right? Women perpetuate the patriarchal disempowerment of themselves because they judge each other. And, you know, for me, this has been a hugely healing journey to step into that confidence as well, because 
my kind of core wounding and my core insecurities are around sisterhood, around like other women rejecting me. And so, you know, it's been an amazing learning process and I do have to kind of give myself those pep talks to keep showing up in the way that I do. I love that so much. And I think it took me far too long to learn this lesson that good friends are ones that build you up. Good friends are ones that build others up and they don't do a lot of negative talk or gossip and and you feel safe you feel totally safe totally heard and I think for a lot of time in my life I just thought that that's what women did we talk about each other and we don't have to be like that we can be better and we can celebrate each other and build a tribe but so you talk a lot about shadow work and first give us a shadow work 101 because a lot of us are new into the space but also what is something that you kept in your shadow for far too long Mm, yeah so with everything in life we have polarity right we have contrast we have light and dark we have summer and winter sun and moon and when you first enter into the spiritual world or your spiritual awakening journey, you see a lot of the light, right? You see a lot of love and light. People even use those words. Um, But a lot of the time there's some bypassing going on there too, because we can't just live in the light. We need the opposite of the light for the light to even exist. The same way you need fear for courage to exist. There's no courage without fear. So shadow work is a really empowering and beautiful part of spirituality, of healing, of understanding who you are or understanding who you are. Because in our shadow, there are a lot of beautiful things for us to learn about ourselves. The shadow is also more of that feminine energy that people often refer to, you know, the divine feminine. If we think of womb energy, we think of where life is created it's created from darkness and murkiness and mystery and mess so the shadow work in a nutshell is you're going into the parts of yourself that are suppressed the parts of yourself that are not necessarily in the light not necessarily in the conscious realm so you're looking at the family patterns the ancestral trauma the deepest limiting beliefs that you have about yourself that are not even in your conscious mind so for example you know if you have the belief of not being good enough what is actually the root of that and for some people it's like believing that their existence is wrong you know it can get really dark so the shadow work is learning how to get comfortable in that space getting comfortable in the unconscious bringing it into the light playing with it accepting it learning how to work with it and embracing it the same way we would embrace emotions like love and joy instead of resisting it and letting those patterns metastasize and disempower us in other ways Um, so shadow work is actually how we find love and light without bypassing all of the things that need to be addressed the same way you look at manifestation yes there is a vibration of the universe yes you have to be in alignment with the things that you want but there are very real barriers for some people you know like systems and racism and stuff like that so you can't you know go one or the other it's about integrating shadow and light so that you can heal and so you can get what you want and in terms of facing my shadow I mean I'm a perfect example of this I had undiagnosed PTSD. Um, It was diagnosed when I was 23. I was in the absolute depths of a rock bottom uh, that I'd been spiraling into 
for about four years. And, you know, if I look back in hindsight, some of those symptoms started around the time I was 11 or 12 um, and it was undiagnosed. Nobody knew it was happening. And basically I was in a complete disassociation trauma response. I had had a trauma when I was 11. I went into disassociation and I repressed everything to the point where I actually forgot the trauma itself. I forgot what had happened to me, which was sexual abuse. And I repressed it and I was friends with the person who abused me. And I had a relationship as an adult with this person. And even when I was diagnosed with PTSD and I was in therapy, I still didn't remember this memory. I was just dealing with the symptoms. And it wasn't until I went on a healing journey for another two years and I was 25 that my memory resurfaced. I had a uh, proper intense flashback of this memory. I remembered it. All of a sudden, it came flooding into my conscious awareness and I had to address it, right? So because I was so afraid of my own feelings and emotions and being vulnerable from that experience, I had shut my body and my mind off to feeling anything at all you know, for over a decade. So when I started to work with this trauma, when I had the capacity to actually take responsibility for healing it, to get the support that I needed to address it, to go into the feelings that I'd never felt, I was actually able to heal it. I was able to call the person and, uh, you know, um, they apologized to me. Um, it, allowed my entire family to heal because I was not the only one this had happened to apparently. So other people got to heal and admit and we got to restore our family. Um, and so this is a prime example of something that was very, very hard, hidden and shoved into the shadows that when I addressed it and brought it into light, my whole life changed, but also my whole family changed and my ancestry will change now too. So the, the people who come after me, my children and their children, hopefully won't be carrying these negative imprints in their DNA because I'm talking about the trauma and addressing it so that it doesn't you know, continue to pass down the lineage. I love that. So if I'm understanding this right, a lot of the shadow work has to deal with um, like shedding the shame that can come with things that we put in the shadow. A hundred percent. That's why they're in the shadow because we don't deem them as being worthy pieces of who we are. What are some ways that our listeners can start to address the, the shame that, and, and you said this, like it, a lot of it comes from outside, like whether it be internalized misogyny or the systems, the racism, but what are some ways that they can look within and find personal ways to shed their personal shame? Yeah. So, I mean, the answer to so many questions in this world is, of course, self-love, but it's very hard for people to get to a place of really deeply embodied self-love when they don't have support, when they don't have methods that they can go to to access this. So I think, first of all, learning how to get comfortable in your own body which doesn't seem like a direct approach to this, but it really is because a lot of the shadow is living inside of our physical body. So we tend to think of mental health as like being up in our head, right? In our mind, because that's where our thoughts are. That's where our brain is. But a lot of our trauma and a lot of our beliefs and a lot of the things that we're very afraid of about ourselves or about our lives live inside of our body. Um, there's a really good book that I would always recommend people to read called The Body Keeps the Score. This will 
illuminate this in a lot more depth than what I'm going to. Um, but getting intimate with your body, learning how to sit inside of your feelings, learning how to just sit inside of yourself. And this is why mo- many people struggle with meditation, right? Because it's really hard to just sit and do nothing and just be with everything that's there. Um, the other thing that I really love for being in the body and working through some of this on the deeper somatic levels is a technique of breath work that I teach and practice, which is called rebirthing. Rebirthing has completely changed my life. Uh, it has allowed me to heal things that I never ever would have been able to heal through talking, coaching, therapy. None of the top-down approaches would have been able to touch some of these things that I've been able to touch. Um, So I really recommend, uh, you know, breath work for people because it's also about learning how to receive, receive your own breath, receive your own life force energy, and it's a great emotional release, um, particularly if you have issues that you can't seem to get to the bottom of just by talking to your therapist or journaling. Um, I really recommend going into the body to discover these things. Okay, that's so fascinating because just the other day I heard a quote and it was like, the mind may forget trauma, but the body never does. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, yeah, we can really hold on to it. And I've never thought of... I'm, I'm pretty new to this space. I mean, years of talk therapy, which is also great, but again, that doesn't really release in the body. And so the, the, what did you call it? Rebreathing or rebirthing? Rebirthing. Yeah. Okay. I'd, yeah. l- I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, all kinds of breath work are great. Uh, they're all kind of different. Uh, many of them focus on a conscious connected breath. So this is where you're not pausing between your inhale and your exhale. So it's like creating a sort of circular pattern with the breath. Uh, but rebirthing especially, the premise of this method is that you are integrating and rebirthing yourself from before you were born. So from the moment of your conception. Now, this makes a lot of sense to me uh, when we look at this through like the lens of healing trauma, because your nervous system starts being imprinted from the moment that you're only, you know, eight weeks old as a fetus, you know, in your mom's tummy. So Everything your mom is experiencing, uh, you know, if the pregnancy is stressful, depending on what's going on, are you a wanted baby? All of this is imprinting in your body to let you know what kind of world you're coming into, what kind of environment you need to expect, how resilient you need to be, etc. So you're integrating that, you're integrating the trauma from your own birth when you do this kind of breath work. So none of us consciously remember being born, right? I don't remember that. Uh, But your body remembers, your body remembers if it was traumatic, your body remembers if there was a lot of intervention and vacuums and bright lights. And, you know, um, especially if it's a more traumatic birth, your body remembers all that. And then your body remembers all the things that have ever happened to you. So rebirthing is this really gentle, kind of breath work that takes you on a bit of a longer journey uh, to gently uh, and sort of almost like maternally nurturing you to slowly release that through your own breath. And this is very empowering for people because this isn't like taking drugs to do that. This isn't like going to a therapist who's going to tell you things or a coach who's going to advise you on things. You are literally doing this with your own breath and the physical effects alone are like crazy for people. They're like, how am I feeling like this from just 
breathing air. Um, but it's also, you know, fascinating and so powerful for people's emotional release. The benefits over a long time of practicing this are just profound. Um, it's hard to even describe. And then some of the spiritual experiences that you can have in this method, the more advanced you get are insane. I have seen all sorts of things in breathwork sessions and had amazing emotional experiences and spiritual experiences um, and really incredible experiences of forgiveness that I just don't think that I would have ever had, uh, you know, having a conversation, etc. So the idea is that you're literally being reborn and you're moving more towards what they call your life urge over your death urge. Um, um, and that's like a whole other complicated part of this, but in a very sort of brief way of describing it in every choice in life, we are moving either towards like giving ourselves life energy or giving ourselves, you know, death energy or moving closer towards our death. So, you know, every time we have a thought that is, you know, harmful or violent towards ourselves, we're moving towards our death urge when we eat toxic food. Like, and it's not because you need to be perfect or shame yourself, but it's just a way of teaching you that you have this immense power inside of you to choose life if you want to. Um, and one of the best ways to do that is through breath work, you know, taking in your own life force energy and knowing that you're worthy of taking a full breath because most people don't even breathe, you know, to the capacity that they could. That's amazing. And what does choosing life look like on a daily basis? Uh, I think it's like, you know, really knowing yourself and knowing, you know, what is, what is the life giving choice in this moment? And uh, to kind of like summarize that in a way that's a little bit more digestible, I guess it's like, what's the most loving thing that I can do for myself in this moment? And I think it's important that I say the most loving thing, because it's not necessarily that you need to just be love and light and only positive, because that can actually be quite toxic for people, right? Like if you've got mental illness and someone says think positive, it's not that simple. It's actually probably harmful to say that. But it's like, what's the most loving thing that you could do for yourself in that moment? You know, if you had unconditional positive regard and compassion for yourself and acceptance, what choice would you make in this moment? Sometimes it might be a very health-giving choice, you know, doing something that's very positive, doing something that's very healthy. Other times it might be like, you know, I'm going to choose patience in this moment rather than numbing out or rather than being hard on myself or restrictive. So I think it's like the question uh, to ask yourself when you're trying to make the most life-giving choice is like, what would I do in this moment if I had this deep, unconditional love for myself? I love that. I think uh, that's a great question to ask yourself every day. <laughs> that's a great. Um, and we're just glad that we could take some time to talk with you today. We'll put your uh, Instagram in the show notes, but you also have your own podcast, right? Right. The Amy Rusworth show. Yeah, I do. I do. So we need to direct our listeners there too. And you have, I mean, you just talk about a lot of different topics on your Instagram um, and you've got a lot of different courses and one-on-one -on -one sessions too. So I think if you're listening and you haven't already pulled up Amy on Instagram, do it now because we didn't even get into all of the like sexual embodiment stuff, which is, I mean, we could fill a whole nother half hour. On. <laughs> so yeah. um, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. That was amazing. We learned so much. So if you want to follow Amy Rushworth, 
on Instagram, and we suggest you do. Her handle is this is Amy Rushworth, all one word, all lowercase. And make sure to check out our products on Zenden.store. We have some really great things that we just launched, including some amazing jewelry that'll make you feel totally confident. In fact, maybe even a transformational priestess. 